We're live. My guest today is Jake Hartnell. He's the founder of Juno, DowDow, and Stargaze. Today we're talking about Juno, DAOs, Cosmwasm. My only fear is that we have too many things to talk about in an hour. I'm very interested in Juno and its place in the interchain ecosystem as a playground for experimentation with DAOs. I also want to talk about DowDow, DAO politics, and building on DAOs. And of course, Cosmosm, open source, Juno roadmap, and everything in between. So strap in, because this one's going to be deep. I'm also dying to find out if he thinks Juno is dead. So before we get started, make sure to hit the like button, hit the notification bell, and subscribe to get notified when I go live every week. And remember that none of what we discuss here on the Interop is investment advice. And if you enjoy this content, please consider sticking with us. We're live on Evmos and on Quicksilver. And on the occasion of Jake being on a podcast, we set up a Juno validator. We've got some tokens there delegated. We're not in the active set, but why don't you help us get to the active set by sticking with Interop. My guest, Jake Hartnell, is coming up next, right here on the Interop. Jake Hartnell, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Welcome. Um, it's great. Um, it's really early. I'm just, you know, drinking my coffee, getting fired up. You know, all, all you need to do is just say the magic word, and then I'm going to get fired up. Is that it's is that Dow Dow? It's no, Dow. <laughs> I love talking about that. <laughs> well, before we get into all that, you know, I was, I, I looked your name up on Google, and I scrolled to like pages two and three and four. And I oh uh, found some really interesting stuff. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah. So you you went to Berkeley and you were focusing on like digital publishing and web annotation. Is that right? Yeah. My thesis was on like uh, on digital publishing in, in particular and decentralized content publishing. And it was 2014, but I was still talking about using like cryptocurrency to disintimate, iterate intermediate the I just woke up uh, to disintermediate like the middlemen and like you know allow authors and content creators to sell directly to their end and consumers and enable like a bunch of cool new business models so yeah I've been thinking yeah, about this crypto. is really early I guess so I mean what, like what kind of crypto Three, technologies were you looking NFTs, at back then NFTs weren't even a concept back then um and uh like Ethereum wasn't even like, you know, publicly announced back then. So like I was part of Bitcoin club at Berkeley and uh, yeah, it was really all that we had to go with. Um, at that time though, it was cheap enough to use Bitcoin for payments. And, uh, and uh, yeah, we were kind of exploring some really interesting ideas there around like affiliate marketing and stuff like that. Like imagine if you could like resell digital items was like one of the things that we were really interested in. Like if you had, if you like bought like an ebook, for example, if you could like resell it to your friends and then like get some percentage of like, like a refer fee for like reselling. Um, yeah. Then we built Were some, you guys like, looking at counterparty and some of that stuff? Like some of those early examples of building, you know, no, fungible, kind of like more theoretical and experimental. Um, and we were looking at like a lot of like, another thing that we were just really annoyed about was how much like Amazon had captured the ebook market and how they were like screwing over yeah. like years and authors um 
like authors still to this day pay to like like 30 to 60 percent of their sales to like big fucking evil amazon and uh that's just still insane to me like it's such a bad deal for like the authors and publishers and like these people don't make a ton of money to begin with so and it's ultimately just to ship a file over the internet which is you know, I'm, I would actually be one of the projects that I'd be really interested to see as like, you know, DAOs and like NFTs is like NFTs that get away from like JPEGs towards like actual like content distribution, whether it's like albums, like for music or for like eBooks or, or things like that. I think that there's like, those are actually really great use cases for NFTs. Um, and I hope maybe yeah. like this year, maybe there might be some secret projects going on. You never know. Um, I hope that there's... <laughs> cool like DAO focused publishing tools yeah it, it does seem like there's uh, an exorbitant tax on 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 publishing digital media and sometimes you'll even see books on amazon the the, the digital version exp- is more expensive than the print version and you're like what the fuck how is this possible this is supposed to be the cheapest al- the cheapest way to distribute content like ever created by man and you yeah, really, yeah you know understand yeah. why the economics there don't work out did you also write a novel i did i wrote a sci-fi novel um it was a it's kind of like an underground kind of thing got a decent amount of readers um yeah and it's got uh, good reviews yeah. on amazon <laughs> you know i think it's i think it's ironically a lot more timely now though i, I hate talking about it because i hate it um <laughs> Okay. Well, we'll we'll skip to the next question. If you like, you know, go in the Google history, you can, you can hear about it. It uh, Yeah, it was ahead of its time. And and you also ran a record label, is that right? Yeah. um, In undergrad, I had like a started like indie record label with a with a with a friend, Um, and yeah, that was quite the experience it kind of was one of the things that really got me into like all these questions of like content. It kind of actually got me into programming in a weird way too, like wanting to be able to like make websites for bands and stuff. And, uh, you know, that was uh, the start of like my programming web three decentralized content kind of journey. But yeah. Cool. So so tell me like this, this early, this early work that you did on like, open source and open web standards around this digital publishing and digital annotation work. I think you also had a startup that was doing digital annotation that what, like, how did that inform what you're doing now? And what, what lessons did you learn from that sort of period of your career that informs the kind of work you're doing now? And also, you know, maybe the, um, the the thing like aspects around um content uh payment and like you know open source remuneration and things like that um yeah that's a good question you know i think uh, my first like this first startup i worked for i was one of the like really early like employees like and we kind of just took it from zero to one um, it was called Hypothesis and it was like a web annotation startup. It's still around today and it's actually used by like uh, like over a million students uh, use Hypothesis yeah. today to annotate our documents and articles and uh, some publishers are using it and uh, a lot of scientific people use it to like annotate documents and have like scholarly discussions. So 
it's pretty cool to have a startup that is not dead. Um, <laughs> uh, can't be said for all my startups, but um, that that one was like really important in terms of like, in terms of like me learning how to like, you know, build a product and ship it and get people using it and be a, being okay with imperfection. Like, you know, just like the important, it's just taught me the importance of shipping and getting something out there. And then, you know, seeing what people wanted and like building the next thing. And yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah. And then I, you know, through that experience, I got to learn a lot about like open source uh, kind of culture. And um, I was even had the privilege of like being on a W3C uh, working group for, which is like a standards body. Um, yeah. Which one? Uh, W3C. They make a bunch of but like, which standards, standards, which, which group were you? Well, I was working on the web, web, web annotation standard. So, um, okay. which was actually finalized. It actually made it to a huge working group, but um, it's not been the most successful standard of all time, which happens to like mm. actually a lot of standards as well. Like just because a standard is written doesn't mean it gets like widely adopted. Um, yeah. That actually kind of like sort of shapes my thoughts on how standards should be developed. Like, Sometimes committees is not the best. You just got to like go out and ship things. Like if we wanted to make a standard for DAO tooling, we could like have like a big committee and get all the Cosmos Hub people together and, you know, try to agree on some standard, but it's better to just like ship it. And then eventually the standard kind of like emerges organically. Um, so you think um, that like some standards, uh, can emerge in a more organic way by people using it and implementing it. And do you know examples of that where standards have emerged without, I mean, I'm sure there's other many, but what do, are there any that stand out to you as particularly interesting? Uh, you know, I think uh, a lot of the Ethereum improvement proposals, um, like they, you know, they're, they're kind of this interesting crux between like a standard and like they didn't get together with a bunch of other blockchain people and they were like, we want to create a like standard for like NFT metadata or, or whatever. Or OpenSea is another great example of this is like we actually use like the OpenSea standard for NFT metadata like at Stargaze and, you know, with like a bunch of like the Cosmosm NFTs. Um, we never got together in a group with those people to be like, we should all like use this thing. It kind of just became super popular. Like everyone started using the ERC 721 standard. Um, yeah. But it, it was never like designed in a committee, you know, they kind of just like, they, they did a really nice write up about it. Uh, like, uh, and then they like shipped some working implementations and then everyone just kind of naturally started using those, like even cross ecosystem, like, in Cosmosm, we don't use the EVM, but we still use that same standard. So all the functions yeah. we have designed like behave basically exactly the same way. Um, and we never had to have like a, you know, sort of big committee about it. I think the same thing with like the metadata standards for NFTs. So like OpenSea, uh, and you can read about this, just like Google like NFT OpenSea metadata standard uh, and you'll find it. Um, you know, wh why reinvent the wheel? If someone like ships something and they have like an open spec for it that works. Um, that's a great way to set a standard because like everyone, you know, that's like integrating with these things, like it makes integration a lot easier if we use the open C standard versus if we try to like make our own. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah, no. And I think that with, with this sort of thing, 
being early also helps, right? So like with something like the OpenSea standard, they are, you know, you gotta, ship some, you gotta be early and you gotta ship something that works. And then right. uh, if like a lot of people integrate with it, then then it's got a lot of momentum as a standard. Um, yeah. So yeah, standards think, is something that has momentum and, and where, you know, W3C yeah. may actually help kickstarting that momentum. I hope we get this way with like ICS standards as well, like interchain um, yeah. standards because they, they are moving a little bit slowly at the moment and IBC could just move so much faster, like the kinds of standards that we could build on top of it. Um, but there's too, a little bit too much central planning and not enough team shipping, which is, you know, one of the things I hope that we're going to start doing with Juno even more is just like shipping these new interchain standards and protocols. So yeah. Do you think that IBC has a chance of of becoming a, a standard outside of like quote unquote Cosmos? Oh, it already much is. Like ERC twenty. Yeah. You're, no, if you're following like the developments of IBC, it's like the probably most popular uh, interoperability framework. Um, Polkadot's joining. Um, Near has plans to join IBC. I've talked with like the Near team a lot. Uh, Avalanche is joining IBC. Like those are three major ecosystems. And if you add yeah. that to like all everything that's like happening in Cosmos, like, wow, holy shit, that's really great momentum. And if imagine all those chains join, you got Avalanche, you got Polkadot, you got all of Cosmos, you got Near, like other ecosystems are going to be like, goddamn, like we can't miss out on the whole interchain thing because it's like, you know, it's pretty great and it's a seamless experience. And I think by the end of this year, if we have all those chains like kind of join successfully and getting some successful adoption, like I wouldn't be surprised if others like Solana or like, you know, who knows, maybe even Polygon, like, like I think others will definitely consider joining like, all you know, all these standards kind of rely on network effects and um, the bigger the network grows, the more cost there is to not being in the network, you know? Um, yeah more opportunity there is to join. So um, that'll be really exciting. Yeah, it always felt to me like IBC was, and I think to a lot of people you know, in the Cosmos ecosystem, like IBC was this this sort of gem, right? It's just like this gem that the Cosmos ecosystem created and, yeah. and it, it, was just, it was just waiting yeah. to, 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 to proliferate outside of, of the, of the interchain or, you know, of like the IBC uh, or like the Cosmos SDK ecosystem. And, it feels like it's happening now. Like it feels like we're right at the beginning yeah, it's of really it. Happening. It's, it's great. It's super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's talk about Juno a little bit. Um, you know, I, I I said in the beginning, you know, I wanted to ask you if you think Juno is dead. Um, is Juno yeah. dead? Uh, okay. A long lot of live Juno. <laughs> I mean, long live Juno. Yeah. It's like uh, I think uh, if you look on Map of Zones, they have this amazing tab in terms of it's called daily active users. Over yeah. the past seven days, Juno is fucking number one, my friend. We are the most used chain in the Cosmos ecosystem. In fact, our stats have been pretty good for a while. Everyone fuds us, and yet the people like fudding us are like way less actively used. So, I'm just gonna throw that Who out there. Who fuds you? Uh, you know, we fud ourselves, to be honest. Like, uh, but I think yeah. that's one of the great things about Juno culture is that you know what our chain has made mistakes in the past. But at least we've like yeah. fucking dealt with them and we're like finding ways to like move forward as a community. And that's what I really pay attention to. Cause I think that there's a lot of chains out there with a lot of problems, a lot of 
you know, like shady stuff happening or, you know, I don't want to like get into like talking shit about other chains, but like, you know, it's out there. Uh, there's a lot of like inefficiencies in governance. There's a lot of just like basically clear lack, not lack of direction, lack of like clear direction, lack of usage even. Um, and I think that as a, as a community, like the Juno community has been much more honest about like dealing with all our faults and our problems and has been more constructive, like moving forward. Like if you look at like Juno sub DAOs, like they're, they're not perfect, but they're like actually moving the needle and like doing important experiments. Um, and frankly, like allow for a lot more accountability than anything else I've seen in the ecosystem, you know? Yeah, it feels to me like Juno is, you know, looking at the entire ecosystem and, you know, like I, I try to have a broad view of, of, of the ecosystem. Like I, I don't dive sort of like really deep into any one community, but from from looking at it uh, as an as an overview, it feels like the Juno ecosystem is kind of like on this move fast and break things uh, sort of mentality, right? Where like, you know, there, there's been... Uh, a lot of issues, as you mentioned, and there's like there's been some drama, right? But then, but the, I think the thing that's the most consistent is is the honesty, right? Like people are honest about, and the community is honest about what it is and what it's doing, and sort of where it's at in its journey towards building something larger. And I think that's interesting. Yeah. And if you know that going in, like if you know that going into the ecosystem, at least you know what you're dealing with compared to something else, right? It's not going to be super polished. Yeah, it's a it's time. a it's a radical community chain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's like completely community owned and operated, which it makes it like probably in a weird way one of the most decentralized projects in crypto. Like we like we just passed a prop. Like we the core team is fully like under the control of the community. They can elect and remove members if they like if they displease them. The like dev funds, which is our equivalent of a foundation, we don't have a foundation. We're like the only crypto yeah. project that doesn't have some like secret thing like the ICF or all in bits, like controlling a very large percentage of the chain. And like we actually have that like just completely under community control, which is like that's 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 what we want. Like it, I, you know, I actually wonder how different things would be in in cosmos if we had like similar like decentralization um of you know core community funds effectively um yeah i mean it's really great if the core foundation is doing its job but if they're not then you know it's less great um yeah i know so, i know you're you have you have conflicting views about that and uh, the icf uh, but maybe we won't get into that here uh yeah let's keep it constructive <laughs> talking about you know like other things um but yeah well i mean so that's a, that's an interesting point because like i i've been thinking a lot about this community governance um topic over the last few months and and observing communities and how they've dealt with some of their issues and uh it, it feels to me like there's problems with scaling that right when you when you have a small-ish community of people who are fairly aligned on their values, you can arrive at some form of clean consensus around things. But then when the community starts getting larger and you have different interests coming in, and that's that will naturally happen as our community gets larger, it, it's, it gets harder 
to um, to have smoother uh, and more consensual governance. And you know, like look at democratic society as a, you know an example of this at scale. You arrive at a point where yeah. there are just so many different opinions and, and stakeholders. And so, do you do you think that full DAO governance can scale, or do, do you think that at some point things needs to stratify and um, in order for for things to work. Oh yeah, I think fold out governance can scale. I mean, look at how much quicker like Juno is moving than Cosmos Hub. It's because the key the key that the key thing that's needed is the right tooling for it. And if you have the right tooling, then you can scale. So like for example, like the subdow system is great because the subdows are fully accountable to the larger community, which is important. You don't want to just like hand people like a blank check of like, oh, here's $10 million, like go you know, do whatever you want with it. And there's no way we can remove you and there's no way we can get the money back and there's no way we can, you know, you, there needs to be checks and balances in the system. I totally get the mm -hmm. point that like, and I, I you know, I'm, I'd be one of the first people to say like, we shouldn't have to fucking vote on everything all the time. No one has the mental bandwidth yeah. for that. But we do need to make sure like that, like systems are in place to like keep people accountable. So this is what, you know, we, we try to do with subdows. It makes, you know, Obviously, they use data so you can see everything, you know, a, a, a subdow or a group of people is doing, what they're voting on, how they're spending money. Uh, the checks and balances are also in place. So if the community is displeased with a subdow for, for any reason, like they can, you know, remove members, they can add new members, they can uh, re recall funds, uh, they can put limitations on spending. So, for example, we have this new vesting contract, which I'm so excited about. It's about to come out and it's really going to unlock, I think, a lot of really cool things for, for not just Juno, but for like a lot of other communities as well. Um, it basically allows for like, you know, let's say you're, you're starting like a marketing sub DAO and it's like your, your budget is going to be like 250 K for the year, but like, we don't want to like, maybe we don't you know, trust you and there's a couple other people on the sub DAO. So we're going to like limit your ability to spend that all at once. So you're budgeted for 250K for the year, but that unlocks over the whole year. So like the first month you can only spend like, uh, like 25K or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then the next month, another 25K unlocks and, and on and on and on. And that prevents like sub, sub DAOs from being able to like rug, you know, community and also make sure that they like don't like overspend as well, you know? Um, yeah. So we have a, and they could always, you know, go back to the community and request, hey, like there's this really big effort. There's this big event we want to sponsor. We need to unlock more funds. And then the community can have a discussion about that. But what's really great is then the sub DAO can go off and be like, oh, we need to pay this event and we need to pay this poster designer and we need to pay this journalist and we need to pay this content creator. They don't need, like the community doesn't need to vote about that. Like I think one of the bad things in Cosmos governance right now is it's like so flat, it's so direct democracy. You have all these people that are like, please sponsor my podcast or like, you know, help out this like charity effort or like whatever. It's, it's too much. No one can pay attention to all that stuff. Um, and so it's better to like, you want to divide things up so that people don't have yeah. to like, so that like the big decisions the community has like are basically like, are we happy with like the performance of this group that's supposed to do a certain task or, Hey, here's this new sub DAO. They want this amount of budget. This is who's on it. This is how they, think they're going to provide value to the network is that something that's worth doing and then that that group or that team 
or that council or that sub DAO, choose whatever name you want. They go off and they like go and do the task and hopefully like do it well and create value for the community. And if they don't do it well, then there's mechanisms for the community to get their funds back or to kick people out or to add new people that they feel like better represent them. Um, that's like, I think that's a really nice like kind of balance and like sort of how we can get, you know, DAOs that like kind of scale, but it all, to me, it all comes down to like the tooling and like being able to have things like vesting contracts Testing contracts are, are really useful for like funding projects as well. Like I really don't like this idea. And we learned the hard way as well by doing this because we're just we just go out and do it. Um, I feel like Cosmos Hub, some of the others that have been a little bit slower might like wind up learning a lot of the same lessons and like might wind up structuring their sub DAOs or consoles or whatever they call them in, in the same kind of way that we do. Um, but like you shouldn't just like if you make a commitment to like fund a project. There has to be milestones and then there has to be a community out at some point. You can't just like yeah. commit to a project of like, you know, we're going to like fund you like a million dollars, you know, with these milestones or whatever, because you know, what's inevitably going to happen is that there's going to be a project that like quote unquote hits the milestones, but the community is like really upset with for some reason. And then who is the arbitrator in that, in that case, these things need to like, in terms of like DAO proposals, we need to be very, very explicit and have as much on chain as possible about the like relationship of that dynamic of like in the event of there, there's a dispute, like let's say we're, we're working together and I like, I pay you and we have some milestones, but now we have disagreement about whether or not you actually hit those milestones. Who resolves that? That needs to be like explicitly in the smart contract. Um, and we have to have like explicitly yeah. like, you know, like a clause that says like, Whoops, that sorry. <laughs> You might have a clause like in the event of a dispute, you know, the Juno community is the final arbiter over, you know, like the decision or whatever. And then that that puts the project in the hot seat. They just can't take the money and run. They have to actually fucking deliver. And they're they should deliver. They're account they're getting these community funds and they should be accountable. Um, and if they don't want to like sign that clause, like, well then don't fucking request community funds. Like, um, I think we can like do a lot to like normalize this stuff and um, so we have, uh, you know, we've been working with the Juno Growth Fund. Um, we got this new vesting contract and we're going to be using this with like a lot of our projects kind of going forward of like, no, you don't just get a blank check, you know, like the, the there's got to be a clause that like if the community is upset, I mean, also part of your job receiving funding is to keep the community fucking happy. And if you can't do that, I'm sorry. Like, I hope you yeah. get broke. Like, um, yeah, there's a. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think this this vesting contract seems pretty cool and also very use, useful, right? And and, and needed. Oh, yeah, um, and you're right. I, I think we need to stratify the funding mechanisms a lot more. So doing uh, you know on chain proposals in a single community pool that essentially you know needs to be vetted by the entire community doesn't work at scale. You know, we had a lot of these conversations around Atom 2.0 and the allocator and yeah, I think specialization is ultimately required once you grow at a scale that is, you know, large and a couple thousand people. Because there, are, you know, you you can't ask a community of like token holders, "Hey, what do you think about like this thing or that thing?" Most people have no idea what things cost, and <laughs> and so yeah. you know, when you look at when you look at okay, like, hey, I'm like, well, here's here's a a very uh, a very pertinent example. So I just like a few minutes ago posted. 
a proposal up on the Juna Commonwealth for the Juna community to consider sponsoring Nebula Summit, which is a con this conference we're organizing in Paris this summer. Um, and, you know, we're, we're asking, we're asking for like a decent sum of money, right? Because, well, we want to make sure that like Juno can be fully present there, that it can have, it can be part of the hackathon, that like Cosmwasm is a big part of it and everything. And we put it up there for community feedback. And one of the first things that people said to us was like, okay, what's the budget? And, and so we're, okay, well, let's, 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 We'll, we'll provide some budget. We'll provide some more information about what the budget is. And so this is useful feedback for us. It's like, okay, well, this is what the community wants to know. Yeah. But I've had, this op I've had this experience before also where, you know, last year we did the same thing where we asked, we asked Evmo's um, community for money. And, and it, you know, it went really well. Um, they were present there. The community was happy. But a lot of folks were like, this is like, you know, you, you don't need this much money to organize a conference. Well, I mean, what do you know about organizing a conference in Paris? You know, like, what do you know about, you know, the yeah. price of venues or the price of catering and this sort of thing? Yeah, um, you know, I think so that, that was an interesting experience. That people just need to like grow a bit of a thicker skin around. I hear a lot of people like bitching about this all the time. Like, oh, the community, oh, the community, oh, the community. Community is a hive mind. You can't be, you can't be offended by like, yeah, there's going to be people that don't understand shit. That's fine. It's your job to like communicate to those people anyway. Like you're requesting community funds and like there's some extra legwork that comes with it. But I think it comes like down to like it creates better results at the end of the day. And you know what? There's there's also a lot of smart people in the community. So there's flip side. We have like sure. the dumbest of dumb people, but there's also some smart people as well. And so like collectively the bell as curve. A, yeah. <laughs> collectively as a hive mind, the community is giving you like a lot of signal, you know? Um, and I think yeah. obviously projects requesting funding, they're always like in the mentality of like, my thing is super important and deserves to be funded. And um, they just need to like engage with the community a lot more. And some some people, I'm not gonna name names, they get really frustrated about like, oh, we have to engage with the community or whatever. It's just like, yeah, you do. And if you can't yeah, do no. that, just what are you it, doing it's not it's like I, I don't have an issue with engaging with community i mean I, I, that that's that's part of the game i think that I, I think that at a certain scale it becomes difficult to to achieve anything without layers of abstraction and and the sub sub DAOs are solving this like sub DAOs are actually solving this by giving people responsibility getting those those people to be accountable but not requiring them to get vote on everything. And I think that's an important, that's, that's important if you just kind of to get work done. Right. Yeah. Um, but, right. You know, the really important thing there is the chain of accountability. It's like, how do you make sure that, yeah. the, like you have to like put, put people's feet to the fire a little bit. Um, like you have to like make sure that the people on the sub DAOs are like properly incentivized to do a good job. Like, yeah. Oh fuck. If we do a bad job and we like, funds like something like a little too heavily that the community doesn't find value in that could like mean I get removed from the sub DAO that could mean I don't get like paid that could mean I don't like our sub DAO funding gets revoked that could be in like xx and x and now that whoever's reviewing those events or those like you know dev funding or like open source grants or whatever they're like thinking a lot more aligned with the community um yeah and you yeah, know, it's, it's interesting because like th this is the kind of accountability we want with our politicians, right? Like I, I wish I could no, I really do. I, so know, many I, politicians. I, 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 but like I think we are like actually creating 
we're going through this process of like recreating like governance systems and institutions from the ground up. And a lot, yeah. many times we're like kind of reinventing like similar looking things, but that process that we're going through is super important. And yeah, I think, uh, I think yeah. And the tools, like, you know, I think that, um, you know, you could build like a really awesome local government that would function like better than any other local government with like data out today, basically. Um, yeah. And like where things are going to be at in like a year or two years from now is like, I think other organizations that are even not, not even just blockchains are going to be looking at this tool and be like, and the way we structure ourselves and be like, holy shit, like this is like way more efficient. This is like really great. There's still, there's like direct democracy and yet accountability at the same time. Um, I think this is one of the big, you know, in terms of like the vision of Juno, I think that in the interchain, the most effective DAO like takes the cake or gets like, you know, a large, large market share. Um, like yeah. how do you build the, like this like self-governing, self-running community? Um, and how do you like get it like as much capital as possible that it can like reinvest and like grow and grow and grow? Um, hmm. The interchain is like, you know, like each each paradigm of crypto and I've been through enough, like has like different kind of meta. And we were previously, you could argue we're still in the multi-chain paradigm, but we're heading to this interchain world where block space is cheap as fuck. Like, there's just so much block space, but the, like, it's really all about like the applications and the people and like uh, interoperability. And I think in that kind of world, the like successful projects are going to look very different. A successful yeah. project, for example, will not run on just one blockchain. They're going to run on as many blockchains as they can because they it's, it's all about network effects. It's about getting the most users for your protocol. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, well... Um, th just to wrap up on that note, if, if people are interested in looking at this, 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 uh, proposal, it's up on Commonwealth. I'll put a link in the show notes and, uh, we're open to the community's feedback on this and, um, looking, looking for feedback on the proposal. Um, yeah. And then on the, um, are, are what are your thoughts on like quadratic voting and, and this sort of novel voting mechanisms for data? Oh, yeah, and this is something um, that we actually have a ranked choice voting contract that's coming soon, which I think will be really great, uh, really useful. We have multiple choice that's going to be like shipped really, really soon. So like um, very, very excited for those, those kind of use cases. Uh, quadratic voting in particular very much interests me. Um, but uh there's a big challenge with quadratic voting is it doesn't work in every context. You need to protect against Sybil accounts. So Sybil accounts is like, you know how with a blockchain, we can have like hundreds and hundreds of accounts, um, which is great. I think that's a great thing. Um, that kind of fundamentally, you know, breaks something like quadratic voting for quadratic vote voting. You kind of need like one person. That's like a unique person. You can't, if one yeah. person has a hundred accounts, like, you can really kind of like break and game quadratic systems. Uh, the yeah. uh, Gitcoin folks have thought like really deeply about this and published a lot of stuff. And they have this product called like Gitcoin Passport that like really attempts to like make sure that like an account that is voting like belongs to like one singular person and that one singular person person cannot vote more than once. Um, and if you can sort of gar that, guarantee that through like whatever sort of like identity systems that you want to build, then quadratic voting is like really, really cool. But 
I'm excited about some other things like ranked choice voting. Um, like we are looking at using like ranked choice voting or like potentially, you know, multiple choice voting for like election styles. Uh, like, so you, you could have like an election of, you know, people running for like a particular sub now or people running to replace someone on a particular sub now. Um, we have, uh, I have friends who are really into Urbit. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's cool. I, I, do you, so there, there's there, there's a group of people that I that I hang out with who are really into Urbit and think that Urbit is an effective tool for, um, well, a few things. One, displacing Discord as the central place where people chat uh, for DAOs, so that DAOs could actually own their data because essentially everybody would have their data in their own you know Urbit um, environment. And then the other thing is because Urbit identities are so sticky. And people really get attached to their Urbit uh, names, right? Even though they're pseudonymous, effectively, it's yeah. harder or it's it's more complex. It, it's 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 more work to um, to create more identities. So perhaps this could be like a civil, uh, like an, a mechanism against civil attacks. But have you given any thought to like Urbit's role as a way to manage identities and DAOs? Like, is this something that you think is? I mean, it's something that could be like you know, play along nicely with a bunch of other stuff, you know? Um, I don't know exactly what's, I'm very open-minded to like potential solutions for that. Um, and that could be one, uh, you know, I think it really just depends on like adoption, like, yeah, like how widely adopted Urbit becomes. And it's definitely something we could, you know, integrate at some point if it, if it gets to like the right amount of adoption. Um, but, you know, there's, there's other ways to do things like, have decentralized like chat or whatever. So for example, like uh, you could use matrix matrix is mm. like an open source encrypted version of discord. Um, and like DAOs can like effectively run their own like federated servers, um, which could be like really appealing for a lot of people. Uh, I don't know there, you know, more and more people are kind of working on this sort of like the discord problem. Um, and it'll be really exciting to see like, what comes up and what you know people are people are looking at a lot of people are also working on the identity problem as well i mean so you know urban yeah could be like a definitely a potential solution um so yeah I, I don't know that much about it i just have like these two friends who are really really into it and uh and think it's the future and so <laughs> um yeah, yeah i'd like of... to talk a little bit about about DAOs a little bit, DAO DAO a little bit more. And like, you know, I, I wrote this thesis a couple of, uh, two weeks ago and, and talked about, about DAO DAO and yeah, thanks for providing your, your comments there as well. Um, yeah, sure. and one of the use cases I thought was really interesting is leveraging DAO DAO for, uh, DAO governed validators. And, um, I think this is such an interesting use case. Uh, can you explain that, how that works practically speaking um, and what part of that stack is decentralized? Uh, so the way a DAO run validator works is you have like a smart contract, um, like on Juno, for example, and it's running, it's, it's just the normal DAO contract. People can vote to execute any Cosmos message. Um, and that could, you know, be like calling another smart contract. That could be minting an NFT. That could be trading some of the DAO's treasury on uh, wind, or like LPing some of the DAO's treasury on wind. Or um, then the DAO can, 
you know, vote on any Cosmos message. And so one of the Cosmos messages we support is create validator um, or edit validator or claim validator commission. So we have all the messages, the Cosmos messages that, um, that are used to run a validator uh, and the DAO is capable of just voting on, on all those different messages. So we actually have the DAO DAO validator. I think we're at like number seven in Juno, um, which is people, people got pretty excited about it, which is, which is great. Um, it's run entirely by our, by our DAO. So we actually have a whole sub DAO dedicated to the DAO validator. And uh, that sub DAO is, you know, in charge of like, like claiming the commission, sending it back to the DAO treasury, uh, like, uh, you know, voting on governance proposals is another one. Um, so we have all the tools in the DAO UI to just like manage your, your validator collectively as a DAO. Now you're probably wondering like, but who runs the node? So these, 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 I, this, these yeah. have always been separate in, in Cosmos. So like uh, there's the concept of like the validator, but then there's also the concept of the node operator. And the node operator has its own special public key, which it uses for signing. And so when you run the yeah. create validator transaction, you actually include the public key of the node operator. Um, now, if you're on the same machine, these are the same. Like if you're, you got the same public key for the node operator and like a different or the same public key that's like signing the create validator transaction. But in the context of the DAO, you know, obviously as a DAO, we can't, you know, run a node um, but we can work with someone else to run a node or one of the DAO members could run a node or you could use something like horcrux that allows a bunch of validators to come together and each run a node and each have like a partial fragment of the key like a, a four of seven if you will um, and like so there's a couple different options here but the the basic idea is that like the node operator has its own public key that's separate so um, for example, with DowDow, we have a bunch of the DowDow folks and they're, uh, they're running the validator, which we need anyway for like one of the indexers that we've built. Um, and uh, yeah, so they, they run the validator, uh, but the DAO calls the create validator transaction and all the money flows to the DAO and not to like, uh, you know, the people running the validator's pockets. But, you know, they do request like a certain budget of like, Hey, you know, I've got this much server cost, you know. So we have like a we have like a deal with them to like cover their server costs at least and then give like 10% on top for like the labor. Um each DAO needs to kind of figure out that situation. Like you could have DAO members run it. Uh you could uh we've actually talked about um a, a DAO that's launching soon, which is kind of like a public, a public benefit DAO and uh we were thinking about having a validator to like get some income for it. And uh, we were going to have a bunch of existing validators each run a node for this like public charity kind of DAO. Um, so they're kind of like do donating like the compute resources of like one node. And then we would use Horcrux to like allow them to like, that way it's not like a, it's not like we're just working with like one validator. We're actually working with like seven validators and they each run a node, but that they're all running one node for like the DAO validator. I think these are so they're each easy. signing transactions with like Horcrux is allowing each of them to to do signing, and so mm -hmm. they're distributing the load of that validator. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I guess you could also like could you could you use something like a cache to run the nodes? Yeah, you could. Yeah, totally. Okay, so you could effectively do like a fully decentralized validator. 
yeah, I mean, there's like a lot of, uh, I think there's a lot of exciting things to explore here, but you know, another great thing about the DAO run validators is then it gives, it gives a lot more people like a say in the direction of, of the validator. Like people can vote how the validator will vote, yeah. which is like, yeah, which is pretty cool. Like imagine like a representative democracy where if you cared enough, you could like vote on how your Senator should vote. Like, yeah. Yeah, it, it puts like, well, I mean, I, I, ideally you'd, you'd want all the delegators to be voting independently. I mean, like this, this, this already kind of exists, only like delegators don't, don't all vote. But if you had some rep, some kind of quorum where. I think a lot of the people that really care are going to vote directly. But if you could also yeah. vote and how your validator votes, like that's extra because one of the problems and I think we could debate whether or not this is a bad thing, but when validators vote in Cosmos, if the delegators don't vote, the like the validator votes for them. So there's yeah. a lot of people like that, especially on certain chains. Like on Juno, we have like a pretty great voter turnout. Like it's pretty awesome. But there's other chains that are a lot less good on that, that voter turnout. And so that means that validators are voting with all this extra power. Um, so it does matter. I think, uh, you know, it, it'll be really exciting to explore these ideas like a lot more in like the coming years. Um, but I think it's, I think it's really good for the decentralization of networks. And I actually think it's a really great way to bootstrap validators. Like imagine yeah. if like, instead of like just going to launch a validator right away and like get it, be like everybody delegate to us on Juno. Like imagine if you created a DAO first like a DAO around the interop. And then now you've got like that whole business model and then you get m money in the treasury. Like say you like, like you just like get the money for like the conferences or whatever, or you get, I don't know how, I don't know how the interop business model works, but you know, you get money in the treasury. There is no business model. It's just me doing content, dude. There's, a, there's no business model. <laughs> Start it, figure out a figure out a business model. Start it. Start it. Yeah. Start like a journalism DAO or something like that. That sounds cool. Um, and then like, or just like use use the DAO to like help fundraise, like getting into the active set. Basically, I think this is like yeah. a whole interesting dynamic that we could like potentially see like this year. Um, but it gives you like another tool to like help people get in the active set. So yeah, that's cool. What, what's um what's the most interesting stuff on the DAO DAO roadmap? Oh, we got so much like so much great stuff. Um, we have like some real fucking interchain accounts features that are going to be shipping. You've heard of interchain yeah. accounts, right? Have you ever yeah, actually used interchain accounts? Um, have I used interchain accounts? I Wait, may. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if I use Quicksilver, I use I've used Quicksilver, so I've used interchain accounts, I guess. Sorry. Yeah. All right. So you got liquid staking. That's it. But like, can you have an account on the Cosmos Hub, for example, and just do anything across the interchain? Well, not no, yet, because <laughs> it sucks. Like, yeah. The like Cosmos Hub is great at like over marketing things and then under delivering. Um, but like, we're gonna like actually make really fucking great interchain account experience. So as a DAO. You are going to be able to swap tokens on Osmosis, LP or Treasury, and get like rewards. You're going to be able to sell, list, like create NFTs, mint them on Juno, and sell them on Stargaze. 
You're going to be able to like hold accounts across the interchain and see balances for them and stuff. And uh, so, yeah, that's like really, we really want to live up to the interchain DAO tooling. And we think, you know, it's like strategically also very important for, for making Juno a hub, you know, like the hub of the DAO. Yeah. It's like, um, yeah. And being some of the first people to like actually ship like working UX and good UX around this, like, uh, I think we can like make a big difference. Um, so I'm pretty, pretty excited for, for entertain account support. Uh, we have fundraising tools that are, that are on the way. So what do every group, let's say you're a nonprofit, what do you want to do? You usually have to fundraise somehow. Maybe you have to fundraise to yeah. get your validator into the active set or like, um, so these are, are incredibly important for many different types of DAOs and projects. Basically, every every group, whether you're like a nonprofit or a club or a startup, you know, at some point you want to do some sort of fundraising, right? Like this is something we do with like entities. So um, we want to, we're building some like really really awesome like next level kind of fundraising tools for DAOs. Uh, we have a lot better like NFT support on the way. We already have like NFT DAOs. Um, we're going to be like supporting like Stargaze outposts. So you're going to be able to like mint like your NFT for your DAO or whatever, and then like seamlessly list it on like, you know, the Stargaze marketplace if you're looking to sell it. Um, we're going to have like DAO publishing tools, which are, you know, I kind of alluded to, but I'm particularly really excited about given, given my background. Um, we have, we're going to have better like kind of fiat supports. We actually have fiat on ramps now, but like, we want to get like little payment widgets so that like DAOs can like, like include a little snippet on their website and then people can just swipe their credit card and it shows up as USDC and the DAO is balanced. Um, we are also working a really big initiative for us this year is privacy. Privacy is great. That's I think huge. one of the best things about DAOs is transparency, but it's like our, it's like our logo. It's like the yin yang. Sometimes you want transparency. Transparency is really good, but sometimes you want privacy. We want both. Um, so we've been actually working with Risk Zero. Um, Risk Zero is like working on this amazing like zero knowledge like virtual machine. Um, and so we're working with them to like implement uh, private voting, private DAO treasuries, and private DAO membership. So like that is this a Cosm Wasm VM or is it something different? Oh well, it plays great with Cosmosm because Cosmosm is awesome and Cosmosm is just written in Rust and Risk Zero is also written in Rust. So you know that's great. Um, so in fact, I already have a working smart contract example for for verifying AZK proof in uh, in using Risk Zero. So. Um, there's so going to be would be able to verify proofs. Yeah. So we, well, we'd have smart contracts that like would like al allow for like private voting and private DAO treasuries and private membership. So, okay. Yeah. I think the private membership thing is, is really huge. The pri yeah. I mean, I feel like with DAO, the way this probably needs to be designed is in a way where like accountability for, you know, like people who are, needed to need to be accountable and like privacy for voters or i mean at least that would be like the ideal thing right if you think about it if yeah yeah i think uh, i think that it'll, another, it'll just be another option when you're creating your DAO of like yeah. do you want like public or private like do you want like is this like you know obviously for like something like a community fund you want that stuff to be public 
these people are spending yeah. community money. We want to see how they're voting. We want to see what they're doing. We want to make sure that they're like doing their jobs correctly so that we can hold them accountable. Um, I think that's also true for like projects that are like, you know, kind of like raising money. You know, it's like, we don't want like, like a startup, for example, to raise money and then just like, no, they have to be accountable to like, you know, the people, the people that invested. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of times where you want transparency, but then there's also times where you want, you want privacy. You want people to be able to like, like imagine you're in a class and you're voting on like how you should rate your professor. You don't want to like rate your professor badly because then he's going to see it. And so you need like kind of actually private voting. So the professor gets the final score, but can't see how everyone in the class voted, you know? Um, Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about the interchain account stuff. And I think, you know, when you were talking earlier about Juno becoming a hub for DAOs, this is the way that I've been kind of talking to people about it. I, I, I see Juno becoming a like Gnosis chain like thing for the Cosmos ecosystem where it has all of the best DAO tooling, all the best DAOs are there. Um, and then with this interchain accounts integration, I, I, I think like it, it could also become in a way the, the account abstraction chain where anytime you're creating an account on any other chain, well, you're actually creating an account on Juno because that chain has all of the tooling to be able to do really complex stuff across the inner chain, like all these things you've been describing. Yeah. Um, is that is that the, the vision for Juno? I mean, is the oh, vision for yeah. Juno to become this, this DAO tooling hub? I mean, I think, I think DAOs are like a crucial part of the strategy of Juno, like, yeah. um, because I think that DAOs are how business activity happens. I want investment DAOs on Juno. We're going to have like tools for investing, investment DAOs, like things like the vesting contract. We have a token swap contract, like all this you can use without having to know any fucking code. It's all right there yeah. in the UI. Like, and I think by being like early adopters in this, like, you know, we're probably like the most underrated like chain in the cosmos right now. Like if you look at in terms of like our metrics, like our daily active users, if you look in terms of like actual development activity, and it's not just data, like look at everything wind is doing. It's like, it's incredible. They're building like interchain DeFi protocols, like, like real interchain DeFi protocols. Like, um, I think I would just add a little bit more to it because I don't think that like the goal is to be like, just like a Gnosis chain. I think, so I think that that's like, I kind of agree with that and that it's like a really important part of the strategy. But the way yeah. I think of about it, like the tagline I've been using is like, I want Juno to be the interchain incubator where we're like, yes, we have all this DAO tooling, but we really want to be like incubating like the best like interchain protocols. Like um, it's like, I think people go about launching projects in Cosmos all wrong. They immediately jumped to launching a whole L1 and then they have yeah. like basically hardly any like usage. Um, and then they have all this overhead too of like running a whole L1. Like I think what I've been advising a lot of projects to do and what a lot of projects on Juno have have already done is like you launch on a chain like Juno, take advantage of the really like insanely passionate community and like the awesome DAO tooling, which you can use for like fundraising and deploying your smart contracts and um, maybe even integrate into your protocol. Uh, 
take advantage of all that stuff and then launch your product on Juno, get some product market fit. And then once you get some traction, once you get some actual users, uh, well, then you can like think about like launching your own like L1 and you can secure it with mesh security. Um, yeah. So that's another big thing for like the Juno roadmap this year is, is mesh security. Um, so uh, I think it's going to be a real game changer and I think it's going to scale a lot better than ICS scales. Um, ICS is like, like I've already been hearing a lot of complaints about, you know, from validators, like there's only going to be so many ICS chains. There's not going to be thousands. And I think that this is like a big misconception that a lot of the lay people think is they think that like ICS is going to endlessly scale and there's going to be thousands of consumer chains. And that's just not the case. Um, validators, every chain that's added, the validators have to run an instance of, and they will get slashed if there's downtime. Um, and so it's going to be important to actually like ship like real like shared security solutions that scale. And I think that's going to be mesh security. At least that's what we've like, you know, and, I, and I've been helping like develop that, you know, we have some of our best developers like helping, helping develop that. Um, but to me, like that's more aligned with like the Juno kind of vision of like the home of interchain DAOs or the interchain incubator because we want to be able to incubate projects, get them, get them their funding they need, get them to like launch on Juno and get that early like traction. And then we want to be able to like support them and still like have a beneficial economic relationship with them after they launch their own L1. Cause we don't want them on Juno forever. And I think that this is yeah. in the interchain paradigm. What really matters is like that value is accruing to the stakers that this Juno stakers are getting good ROI for, for what's, who cares if it's happening on the Juno blockchain? Fuck, if a protocol is like really taking off and doing like thousands of transactions per like, you know, per minute or whatever, I don't want it on the Juno blockchain. It's going to drive up gas fees for everybody else. You know, it's like, right. at that point, they, they deserve their own, you know, Cosmos L1. And the great yeah. thing about security is allows us to have like an advantageous economic relationship and still like benefit from like, we can effectively like secure each other. Um, and so like the vision is that like, we're going to incubate all these protocols, all these amazing like interchain things that are even going to transcend the cosmos ecosystem as we like typically think about it of just the cosmos SDK chains. No, we want to go into the polka dot and we want to go into avalanche and we want to go beyond like, that's, that's how we get the most valuable protocols. And then the great thing about mesh as well is it works with non cosmos SDK chains as well, or it can. And that is a big game changer going forward. Um, and so we'll be able to spawn these protocols and then like forge like mutually beneficial economic relationships with them as they spin off into their own L1s or they like spread out throughout the interchain. Yeah, I think that's a really sane uh, vision of product scaling in blockchains. Uh, the, the way I've been thinking about it is, you know, smart contracts are, you know, launching in a smart contract chain is like building your website on WordPress. It's, yeah. you know, you, you have very little sovereignty, but you're building uh, an application that's going to work and it's going to allow you to, you know, grow and build build a user base. And then you can you can kind of move up from that. And I don't think app chain is maybe like the, the next logical step because I think app chains are going to, are going to end up costing quite a bit to to secure. Maybe mesh security will offset some of that cost a little bit, but I feel app chains are really, you know, the 
the fangs of crypto, right? Like these are yeah. big chains that that are that need vertical vertical integration. Yeah. You know, right. things like DYDX, things like Osmosis, and in between, I feel like there's there's a space for. Uh, I think rollups make a lot of sense in between there. Uh, depending on the level of sovereignty you need, you want you might need a settlement rollup or a sovereign rollup, but yeah. but it's more of a linear growth thing than like uh yeah. you know these things are in opposition to each other. And uh, I do I do think that economic security, like one of the things that I really am sort of upset about in this whole like discussion of shared security and interchain security, and there's many aspects to security, like and economic security is just one aspect. And there's been all this like talk of like, oh, like it, they talk about it as if it's the only thing that if you're secured by a high market cap chain that you're secured and the truth could not be further from reality. First of all, like there's not been a lot of successful like economic attacks against chains. Like a lot of chains don't even even have that much liquidity out there. Like let's just say that for for sake of example, there's like a hundred billion dollars of assets on Juno and we only have a market cap of a hundred million. Well, guess what? Given the current state, most Juno is not listed on exchanges. Like there's like, you can't buy enough like Juno to like actually take over the network because like, yeah. Um, and then whatever it is like, okay, that all gets bought up. And now like, now the market cap of the Juno chain has gone up and it's going to cost more and more to like continue like buying up, buying up the chain. What's more concerning to me is actually another risk that's not been addressed, which is validator concentration. Like how many validators has to be compromised in order to halt the chain or take over the chain. Um, another thing that I think is extremely important that we need to solve as an ecosystem is software security, because there have been, you know, I can't talk about them, but there, there's like real bugs. And guess what? Just because you're secured by a high, high market cap chain does fuck all for that. Like, it it does nothing with, with when it comes to like software security. Um, so I'm really excited to be launching a security DAO, a security sub DAO finally. And we're like, you know, building some powerful defense and offensive like tools, like in-house. And, you know, I think it's going to be like really important. We need to think about security though, like really holistically. It's not... Like even mesh security, I think mesh security is great, but you're really only talking about economic security. Um, in many ways, I think the main benefit of, of, of mesh security is just like forging like mutual economic incentives between chains. You know what I mean? Um, so yes, we can secure each other, but we can also sort of form this like mutually beneficial kind of relationship. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. And the security DAO is... is going to be funding security research or what yeah, was the idea? Yeah, security research, running things like bug bug bounty programs, things like that. Um, I think with that, we want to also try to get as many of like the best devs as best devs as possible. Like, you know, we got, we got Reese, we got myself, we got like a few others and we we're like going to try to get just honestly like a really good group of people that it's like really focused on Cosmos security. There's just so many different don't, don't get me wrong. I think, I think our funds are safe, but like there is, there's a lot of issues. Like oftentimes, like, you know, there's a lot of things that might not result in like theft of funds, but could result in like downtime for a chain for sure. I think that there's a large amount of those kind of issues. Um, and yeah. I think we need, and 
I think this is actually something that we need to like dedicate resources to across the cosmos. I think a lot of us are so focused on like building features and like bringing value to our token and making like great products, you know, we need to like have this like cross, you know, ecosystem, like better collaboration on how do we make this software stack as robust as possible, even to downtime. Okay. It's like downtime is like not that big of a deal. If you think about it, like great, the chance down for like, you know, a day or eight hours or whatever it is. But that's when we're talking about like, like running like actual fucking economies, like actual financial markets and stuff like that's absolutely huge. Uh, yeah. And so we like, if you think about like, especially as we go into like, you know, maybe a like a bull market again, or at least get away from like the worst of the bear market. Like if you think about the amount of dollars that is like of ac economic activity that is lost because of downtime, it's like, we need to do everything as possible to prevent those kinds of incidences in the future. Um, and yeah, so as important as economic security is, and it is important. And I think there are some like good things about the other ICS design, not that many, but there's a few, um, like we really do need to be taking like a more holistic look at security as an industry. And um, yeah, that, that's that rant. Cool. Well, looking forward to seeing uh, seeing the security DAO and the research that comes out of that. Um, so what is the, uh, yeah, two questions. Who do you think I should have on next? Uh, who would you love to, uh, to see getting more, uh, more air time? Mm, you should and get changed. Like, I had Shane on a couple of weeks ago. It was super, oh, okay. it was a great conversation. Yeah. Mm, all right. Uh, <laughs> best. Uh, you should get Zeke from data. I don't know if you want to have like two data people on in a row, but you know, he's, he's great. Yeah, no. So he's been, he's been suggested to me as well. And I was actually thinking of doing like an, another episode that's about Dow Dow, but a little bit more technical, like getting into the contracts and actually be like a perfect person to do it. Um, Cause like, yeah. Uh, so, cool. um, and um, how, what's the, terms of the contracts and stuff. And he's, he's really a lot of the, like the giga brains behind it, but it's pretty cool. Okay. Well, I'll try to get him on. And uh, yeah, before we wrap up, like what is the thing that uh, people can do to contribute to Juno? But, but, but more importantly, what are some areas that are severely lacking in terms of resources, in terms of people building, where there's like some low hanging fruit that people can get into and start contributing in meaningful ways? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that we actually have like a really strong like development community in, in Juno, like, uh, which is which is great. Uh, other chains, I'm not gonna name names, they have to like do like a huge marketing budget. I've literally seen ads in their in their their feed and they get like zero, zero engagement. They're like, please, Cosm Wasm devs, we need you so much. Like, you know, we're just a big VC chain and we've got developer incentives. Oh, we also have developer incentives too. Um, the next version of Juno, like half the transaction fees can go to like smart contract developers, which I'm really excited about. Um, but uh, yeah, so we're, we're, we're actually doing really great on developers. And I have actually a fundamental kind of almost contrarian belief is that it's all quality over quantity. Like give me, give me five of the best like Cosmosm devs. Give, give me Zeke, give me Noah, give me like Ethan Fry and like the Winds team 
and like that's all you need to like really change the change the world and make like the next paradigm like if you have like a hundred like mediocre cosmosm devs like good luck with that i'll take i'll take five of the best people like those are going to make like the the game changing interchange protocols um in terms of what we need though like you know i think that you know as a decentralized community really needs a lot more help on like kind of just marketing and storytelling and like uh you know maybe it comes down to like content creators of like, we have a communication sub dab but you know there's there's just so much work to do on like sort of the marketing and storytelling side of like you know we actually have like some really great numbers in terms of like daily active users but like who's like spinning that into a narrative like how are we yeah. like working with journalists and like telling our story like what you know like unfortunately like all the press that we've gotten is like for like mildly negative events and then we did all these actions to like fix those things you know but like you know we need to like get people that are like kind of more focused on like those kind of aspects uh and that's not me yet you know i'm, I'm not like a marketer or anything like that but um that'd be like you know kind of something that i, I would look for is just like i would encourage people like come engage with the community like there's discord there's telegram there's a really great like juno community that happens over twitter spaces and on twitter um so yeah. you know follow me uh, there's I'll a bit of those retweet a lot of those people um and like yeah get get involved in the community via like twitter or twitter spaces and then i think you know after you've been hanging out for a while and feel how things work like there's a lot of work, I think, just on that whole like kind of media side of like how what what kind of content are we making? How are we telling like the Juno story and the Juno narrative? Because I think I think it's gotten lost in in the context of like a lot of the other like heavy marketing that's like kind of going out. That's why like the Juno is dead joke is kind of a joke. Is like we're actually, you know, as of, like this week, if you look over the past seven days, we're the most active, most used Cosmos chain, and yet like everyone is out like there's so much fun, <laughs> there's so much fun. Um, yeah i need i need yeah. to connect you guys with uh with story guild um uh they they're like a, a a pr dao and they have like actual pr experts in it and you know they work yeah i think that, that i think that that's actually something that's like really needed is like a pr kind of sub dao on juno and like yeah. i'm not the person to lead that i've never never done PR or anything like that but like you know those those kind of aspects are really important and I think it's I think it's the biggest thing we're lacking at the moment of like we've made a lot of stride uh, in terms of like uh investment sub so like the Juno Growth Fund I think is doing a really good like very thorough job of like reviewing projects and investing in them and there's a lot of really great checks and balances that I think could inspire like other projects in the ecosystem. I actually wish that Prop 95 like borrowed a little bit more heavily from the Juno Growth Fund. Um, but uh, like we, you know, and uh, Core One is now a sub DAO, which is I'm so fucking excited for. Like that's that's amazing. Uh, we have uh, you know all, all our like software development. Uh, but I, I think that, and we do have the communications DAO, but the communications DAO is different from like you know, there's so many different aspects to like communications and marketing. You know, there's PR, there's content production. Um, oh, there is one more thing uh, that if you're listening, we really need help with. Uh, documentation is 
is a huge, yeah. huge challenge. And I've actually been talking with uh, some folks Sprung from Paris, and uh, I've been talking with some folks from uh, like Osmosis. We need to do a better job of Cosmosm documentation because right right now it's all like very like fragmented. And the reason this is a problem is because like it's pretty technical, right? And the most technical people that are best cap most capable to work on the documentation, guess what? They're too busy, like actually like building the protocols, you know, like, yeah, um, because like documentation does not pay as well as like building like a really lucrative, like interchain DeFi protocol. You know, it's like, um, so we're kind of in this catch 22 with Cosmosm documentation. I would say actually Terra has like the best Cosmosm documentation at the moment but like it still has like a huge amount of room to improve and then i think one of the problems which i really hope we can get over as as an ecosystem is like everyone's kind of reinventing the wheel and everyone has their own silo for documentation and it's all low quality and i really want to move past this like can we all just collaborate on like one canonical cosmosm documentation resources like and all just contribute like resources toward it so that we can make it like really awesome but yeah um if you're listening and we really do need people to like help kind of spearhead that effort. And um, it's also a great way. If like you're a dev, it's a great way to actually learn Cosmosm is to like, just go through and like be forced to explain it to other people. And I guarantee by the time you're done with that, you're going to have a really good understanding of it. And you're going to be able to, uh, you know, write some very valuable smart contracts and everyone's going to love you for like having helped like solve the documentation crisis. <laughs> um <laughs> Well, that's great. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think documentation is like really uh, w one thing that a lot of teams don't spend enough time on. And something I certainly tell a lot of teams I advise you know, is like spend time I, writing doc early. I will say that it's like oftentimes not as valuable as like people want. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I have a contrarian view again. Like to me, it's all about getting like, you know, the five best devs or the 10 best devs because like, they don't need the documentation. We just, we just read the, we just read the code. Like, um, yeah. But if they, you want, but if you want like, you know, the next wave of people to get on and start using it, like you need good documentation yeah. for that. Yeah. Yeah. Documentation is good. Uh, we just really, we, we really need help. And I, I'm very, very focused at the moment on, but you know, the great thing about Juno is it's not just like, it's not top down. Like I actually don't run it. It, it runs itself. It's great. Um, so I think those are the biggest areas of opportunity, like marketing storytelling um, and just content and then just documentation is like, those are like the biggest needs of, of Juno. So if, if, if you're listening or may, maybe you can help set, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. I, I can try to make some intros and, and connect you to some people who might be able to help there. Um, yeah. There's so many more things that I wish I, we could talk about. Like I've only covered about half of what I had in my uh, list of topics here. We, I only we'll covered to... like, Traction of the data roadmap, and you know, we didn't talk about like, you know, about V12. We'll, we'll do, or planning I'll do on another deep dive. Oh my gosh, the next Juno release, I'm gonna just tease it. We're gonna like, you know, get down to like much faster block times. So, like, eat yeah. it like a like Evmo style like block time. So, like two to three seconds. This is very possible. That's gonna be like, I think that's perfect. Oh, we're gonna like also, all right, this is the last thing, but we're also gonna be working on improving the Nakamoto coefficient with real economic awesome. incentive. Like, because I That's think huge. Cosmos chains could be a lot huge. more decentralized and like everyone's yeah. talking about security, economic security. 
I'm worried about validator concentrations because if you only have to get six validators to collude to halt the chain or if they get regulated against because they all have like, you know, they all live in the same jurisdiction, like that's that's a huge amount of like existential risk. Um, and so we are going to be working to make it so that if you mm-hmm. um, delegate to the number one validator in, in, in the set versus the last validator in the set, you make slightly more if you delegate to the last validator, but you're also taking on slightly more risk. So we need to like incentivize people to take on that extra risk to decentralize the chain. Um, That's that's massive and it's so needed. We're we're Um, just, just happen to be the craziest, you know, people out there that are actually going to do this before, you know, other communities do. Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on. This has been really fascinating. I really enjoyed this conversation, learned a lot. And uh, yeah, looking forward to doing more more Juno and Dao Dao content because I I've been kind of get going into this Dao Dao rabbit hole and also Cosmosm and I, I feel like there's just like so many strings to to pull on and so um, yeah. we'll definitely do do more of that here on the on the podcast. Yeah, and hopefully, I hope to see you at the at the conference and at the hackathon. Um, yeah, and uh, we'd love to have a Juno presence there. Great, Jake. Thanks. Thanks again for coming on. Yeah, no worries. Thanks. Cheers. Peace.